Can learning transform your life? This is Impact Learning with Maria Zinedou, a podcast where you will hear personal stories about how we learn, work, and live in the connection economy. Together with her guests, she will teach you to design your learning journey and create the life you want. On today's episode... You know, in terms of a saying, we like to say you can't learn how to ride a bike by reading a book. It doesn't happen that way. You have to do it. And, and it's the same thing with leading. You can't lead just by listening to a lecture. You have to do it. So we create this space for students to lead and bring their ideas and interests and passions to the project uh, and help others through the process. Something that they can't do sitting in a classroom and something that they won't be doing, you know, at most internships where they're just supporting the work of others or doing administrative tasks. Hey, it's Maria, and you are listening to Impact Learning. Hey, David. Welcome to Impact Learning. Maria, thanks for having me. So, David, when I think of the wonderful things that have happened uh, since the old MBA at the beginning of 2018, crossing paths with you continues to be a highlight for me. Me too. Me too. You, one, of the, one of the best habits that I created from the Alt mba uh, is thanks to you, um, which was writing, which was absolutely uh, frightening in the beginning in terms of posting things in public. And you just continue to be an uh, inspiring example with that. So I appreciate you for that very much. Well, thank you for that. It means the world to me. But as I've said many times, uh, you were ready. <laughs> there is, I, did, I don't think I did anything other than saying, hey, that's good. Let's, let's do it. When the student is ready, the teacher appears. Yes, exactly. That's it. This is, yes, that's, that is exactly what, what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so, David, I don't know, um, where did you grow up? I actually, I grew up in a suburb about an hour north of uh, New York City. I grew up in Chappaqua. Yeah, it was a suburban lifestyle there and uh, very different from Brooklyn, New York, where I live now. Of, yes, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's your favorite childhood memory? Uh, well, one thing that's coming to mind is uh, playing basketball uh, with my brother on the driveway. I mean, we would always count down, you know, and do the 10, 9, 8, 7, um, 6 and try to hit the game winning shot at, at, you know, two seconds left or one second left. So I have, I have really great memories playing basketball with my brother. You know, I also annoyed him greatly because I was, I was six years younger than him. So uh, I was always playing pranks on him, and uh, to this day, I'm appreciative that he uh, is uh, so so kind and forgiving with all that. <laughs> well, we we are, we are kids, so that's a <laughs> yeah. that's a different uh, time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how would you describe yourself as a student? I would describe myself as very focused on achieving. Um, and making sure that, you know, I got good grades, but I would always, there, there, there reached a point, I think, in high school where I said, okay, I can work so hard to get perfect grades, but I would be unhappy if I did that. 
that realization helped me realize that what was really most important to me was relationships, friends, you know, having time to enjoy life and not just achieve. Yeah, that was a big turning point in realizing that I'd be happy with less than perfect grades if that meant that I could really enjoy friends and relationships in life. That was a much better outcome that I wanted than working so hard to, uh, to kill myself over an A. And uh, what did you study in college? I studied philosophy and I studied marketing as well. I always, you know, the, the philosophy actually happened to be under the political science umbrella, but it, it touched on a lot of philosophy also that just didn't deal with politics. But I remember just gravitating to the subjects and the teachers that really, uh, that I, I was most passionate about. I wasn't, you know, I didn't want to just go down the business track because that's what you were supposed to do to get a business career or... Um, I remember getting the question all the time when I studied philosophy, oh, so you must want to be a lawyer. No, I, I don't want to be a lawyer. I'm just really interested in uh, how uh, human beings organize systems and create systems, you know, systems that we live within. You know, if you think of uh, one big example, but our country, for better or worse, is a system that people created and we live in it and we take it for granted Uh, and so, you know, in terms of freedom of speech or in terms of the checks and balances of government, you know, it's a system. And, you know, if we lived in another country, it would be quite different. Um, it would be a different system. Some people could argue it's better or worse, but we're still living in this structure which comes from the ideas in people's heads. And so that always fascinated me about how when you get groups of people together, how do we organize ourselves? Who leads, who, who steps back, what systems are created, what structures are created so that it brings out the best in others. And um, I always studied that without really knowing what that would lead to, but it always fascinated me and I'm happy that I followed uh, that interest. When you started your first job out of college, yeah. did this guide you or did you make a different decision? It wasn't something that I was actively using or applying at that time because what I did get, get an appreciation for is when I had my first job was that I'm joining a system. I'm joining a culture. And a lot of times when we take a job, we don't think of that job or that company as a community or as a, uh, a set of systems of beliefs, um, structures and processes that uh, influence the humans within the community, but it does. And so I, you know, in terms of taking jobs after college, I became much more aware of, if you want to say the invisible or intangible culture uh, that was within certain companies and certain companies that I worked for. I think over time I said, you know what? Oh, this is great. I don't know if, if, if we're aware of what we're doing here in, the, in terms of, the, of a structure, But this type of process is working really, really well. And then other ones, I'd say, you know what? This is hampering us. This is not working as well as it, or not helping the system function as well as it could. So I think just looking at different examples and seeing what worked and what didn't, and then taking that into my own entrepreneurial journey about you know, designing educational experiences uh, that bring out the best in others, um, I think is how I applied that. Mm -hmm. 
this discussion is fascinating because I, I also studied philosophy, not you know in a, a degree the way you did. It was part of the education in Greece, mm-hmm. and very early on, like you know, it, I think I think it was like uh, sixth grade that I was exposed to philosophy, which is early age to start thinking about things like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I, what I like the way you talked about philosophy and then the ability to observe the system. It's like ability to zoom out and see the whole system, the whole culture, and also understand, you know, what your role is and how you can influence, you know, the system and the culture with your specific work and with your actions and responsibilities. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you started your company last year, but what did you do before that? So between college and last year, what uh, if you could take us through your, I guess, first career chapter? I actually, I worked for a uh, small management consulting company that wound up working with social entrepreneurs. So entrepreneurs that wanted to use business as a tool to change the world. And I was always fascinated by that idea. You know, we talked about philosophy in college and creating systems. So, you know, to be able to work with certain entrepreneurs that did something like that, that was really inspiring to me. You know, whether it was a, a company like TerraCycle that was showing companies how they could use garbage and repurpose that into products, you know, that were sold at, at Walmart. And just, you know, really seeing some different examples and different companies that changed my paradigm of what business was all about. So that was a great experience. Then I wound up working for a uh, company in the media industry. So for 10 years, I wound up working at, in, you know, in terms of helping companies grow their businesses through marketing. And I was always interested in the communications and the, the ability to persuade others to take certain actions um, to grow a business. And obviously, I, I think you know, my work was so much more enjoyable with the people, depending on the companies that I worked with. But so I wound up working in the media industry, and there I managed the sponsorship sales for, uh, for four radio stations uh, in New York City. Uh, it was a country music station, an R&B station, a uh, pop station, and a news station. And I also managed the sponsorship sales for the, for the New York division uh, for the Grammys and the American Music Awards. And so I uh, gained a really um, an experience around marketing, around communications, um, around sales, and really use those skills because I, I thought that that would help me in terms of my ultimate dream of becoming an entrepreneur, which was a lot harder to pull the trigger on than you know in, in, in reality. But I'm, I'm happy I got to that, that point. So last year, in 2018, you founded Higher Cause. Mm-hmm. Was that uh, something that you had been thinking uh, for a while? Uh, tell us a little bit more about, I guess, the origin story. Sure. Yeah, I, I've been thinking about this uh, in college. So more than for more than ten years, my friends would probably laugh because some of them thought that I would uh, be in, you know, corporate America for uh, my entire life because you know there's the the carrot and you keep growing there and you wind up having a cushy lifestyle. It becomes harder and harder to change. But I was always passionate about education, social entrepreneurship, and business using business as a tool to change the world. And I would read these books. I read, for instance, David Bornstein's How to Change the World. 
a book like that fascinated me and it profiled different um, and highlighted different social entrepreneurs. And I always wanted, you know, my dream was to be someone like that, that was creating these systems that I learned in, in, in philosophy and how to create structures that brought out people's best. So I was thinking about it even in college, but in terms of making the decision to do it full time, um, that was a journey. You know, yes, Higher Cause has been in existence for a year, but it's really, you know, we ran our pilot programs even three years earlier because I just started volunteering at colleges and high schools in New York City um, to test drive and pilot different experiences where students were growing professional skills through uh, civic engagement. And, you know, what would that look like? How did how could we prepare students in the best way? How could students get the most out of the program while having an impact? And so a lot of the learning took place on the side of my last job. And uh, based on what you know now, David, that you've been through this journey and you, now you're a founder and now you're doing that 100%, would you, would you recommend the path or the approach that you used that while you were still working, you know, in your, let's say, other work that you had started, you were on the side pursuing some of the pilot programs to get it started. Do you think that's a viable way for someone to explore, let's say, a different way forward before they go 100% in? Absolutely. I think it's, it's definitely a viable way. I'd say if there's a part of your brain that you can't shut off <laughs> at work and it, keeps, and it keeps going and you are doing something outside of work that does not bring in money right away, does not, you know, does might not make sense to some, but you can't shut it off because it's just something that you want to do and it's a purpose that you believe in. Um, whether that is just starting a business, whether that's doing something else on the side that you want to be full-time, whatever that is, if you can't shut it off, I would say follow it, see where that leads. And for me, the pilot programs reached a point where I said, I've got to do this full time. Like I think in order to make the impact I want to have and, and create something that serves people in the way that I want it to do, I think I'm at, I'm at a stage in my career where I can do this and that happens to be the best decision for me. Thank you for that. Uh, I think these are very, very useful, very beneficial insights. So, David, for our listeners who are not familiar with Higher Cause, can you please uh, tell us what it is for and who is it for? It's for high school students uh, and college students. And what it's for is about helping students become leaders who make a difference in their community. So the, the what it's for is really helping students grow professional skill sets, the skill sets that employers want, but that most, in, most internships um, do not teach, right? I mean, because most internships, if we're honest with ourselves, are really about you know, supporting the work of others or um, doing administrative tasks, which have their own value, but they're not the critical skills that employers say are most important to them. And they've listed them and we've researched those And we focus on programs that help students develop these professional skills through having an impact uh, in their community. It's really, you know, students walk away with an experience even before they go to college where they say, wow, I did hire a cause, so I know that I can, I, I can handle this. You know, they, they have a level of uh, learning that comes not just from like sitting in a classroom and passively learning content, 
but they have an experience where they worked in their community to partner with a local business to raise money and awareness for a charity that they care about. And that process, uh, I think, changes the narrative in their heads about what's possible for them, what they're capable of, and the importance of you know, working with others to have an impact. Can you tell us a little bit more about what happens when they enroll and they follow, I guess, the program? Are there a speci- Just to give us a little bit more context of what, what experience the students have. Sure, sure. So let's go, we can talk about a concrete example. So let's look at the, one of the, our students, uh, Laura, uh, who was in our program. She wound up, she was passionate about um, choosing a charity that helped refugees. She was interested in this idea of studying international studies and international relations. And she stumbled across a, a charity in our program. And we help, help students choose which cause aligns with their, with their goals. Um, and so she chose the International Rescue Committee, a, a charity that really um, that serves and helps refugees survive, recover, and, and rebuild their lives. And so what she wound up doing is she wanted to raise awareness and money for this charity. So we coached her and she wound up partnering with Chipotle uh, in New York City and worked with the owner at Chipotle to find a time when, when sales were slow, maybe when you know, very few people were coming in during the week. And that happened to be like a Tuesday night. And she wound up uh, working with the owner to have a four-hour block where she just drove friends, family, and strangers into the actual location, Chipotle location, and a percentage of the profits from that night went to the International Rescue Committee. Um, she wound up raising, between that and a, and a bake sale she did, she wound up raising $2,500 for her charity for the International Rescue Committee, and she wound up highlighting in her college application. Actually, is now uh, at the University of Virginia studying international relations, um, and she has this experience that she can talk about in interviews, in um, cover letters, in, uh, and really just have this, this narrative in her head of something that she's accomplished that she's proud of. I love this story. How old was Laura when she did that? Laura was 15 years old. Um, and what the, the, that's my favorite part about doing this. One of the parts I'm so passionate about is I had someone else, because Laura was actually in the pilot program when we started Higher Cause on the side of my last job. And Laura, you know, I had, had a coworker who had seen what Laura was able to do. And she looked at me and she said, man, David, we just have no excuses anymore. <laughs> you know, when a 15-year-old accomplishes something like this, uh, it's really incredible. Um, it changes their narrative and it changes the narrative in uh, so-called adults, you know, heads about what's possible. And I, I love that. Um, we're actually, I'm really excited actually though about some of the new programs we're launching because we're taking all of our learnings from the fellowship program and from, uh, from doing these programs. We actually also built it into the, one of the leadership classes at Columbia University. Uh, where a professor has built higher cause into the actual program there. And so what we're doing now is we're taking all the learnings from the first phase and we are creating a step-by-step toolkit of sorts so that any student can um, have a useful structure in place and a, and, a, and a guide for how to 
do something remarkable in their community and complete a higher cause program where they partner with a business to serve a nonprofit. That I'm really excited about because it, it gives students the flexibility to complete a project like this outside of, uh, of school and outside of their studies and, you know, walks them through it. And, you know, it can sound intimidating when you hear these stories of Laura or other students, but just showing it in a way and, and having a toolkit that walks students through this process that makes it not intimidating and makes it approachable. Uh, I'm excited to see what even more, how even more students can benefit from the program. So David, this is really exciting and I don't know much about it because I, I understand it's new. So is this going to be part of the curriculum or is it going to be something that they can elect? Who are the students and how do they find you or how do you find them? Initially, um, it's going to be uh, students um, select. So select or opt in. Um, we find them through guidance counselors. So guided the way we've been finding students in the past, guidance counselors who believe in our mission and, and see this as a way to help students stand out have shared it uh, with their student bodies. So that, that's going to be a, a huge focus moving forward. Uh, and then we, we're actually, we're invited to speak at two principal conferences coming up at the end of May and in June. And that is a way where we're also going to um, show how we can build it into the curriculum at certain schools. So there's that larger conversation happening while uh, students don't need to wait for their school, for instance, to opt in. They can just opt in themselves and complete this as a project to help them stand out. And I, and I love that very much. And uh, now it makes me think of the discussion we had earlier about the understanding the system. Mm -hmm. and trying to find ways, and I can see now how you are thinking, but now that you have explained to me all the philosophy thing and all the, how you look at systems, and I can see now how you are, you know, building that and creating that in a way to put it, you know, in the system, in the education yeah. system, and give students the opportunity to develop skills that they cannot develop unless they get to do the work. Exactly, exactly. We, we like to say, you know, and this, this comes from you, Maria, in terms of inspiring me to write. But, you know, I, I was thinking about it, you know, in terms of a saying, we like to say you can't learn how to ride a bike by reading a book. It doesn't, it doesn't happen that way. You have to do it. And, and it's the same thing with leading. You can't lead just by listening to a lecture. You have to do it. So we create this space for students to lead uh, and bring their ideas and interests and passions to the project. Uh, and help others through the process, something that they can't do sitting in a classroom and something that they won't be doing, you know, at most internships where they're just supporting the work of others or doing administrative tasks. I've said many times how, how grateful I am for the work you are doing and people like you are doing because, again, when I was in college, there was no, nothing like that available. I mean, I did learn everything related to chemistry that any, you know, human mind can learn. Um, there was really nothing like that. So, you know, like we could read a book or we could find something. But now you are providing like within the system, we are providing tools, opportunities, resources in a, in a very nice way, but also simple way to give students the opportunity to learn the skills that, again, 20 years ago, none of these things were available for me. And, I, and that's why I'm so grateful for the work you're doing. I, I appreciate that, Maria. Yeah, and, and like you and like me, you know, there's, there's plenty of people who've come before, and it, it's always, you know, I'm learning from, from other programs that I love and taking pieces from there. And, yeah, I think it's, it's, 
you know, you talked about the all NBA earlier and I think that program was so useful and so helpful. Um, and I'm, I'm so appreciative of, of Seth for creating it because it shows us how to, it shows us how to show up, <laughs> how to show up in a way that is uh, focused on using business as a way to really serve others. And I'm, I'm super excited about serving students. Thank you for bringing this up. I was going to ask about the old MBA, but uh, I can ask my question now. So why did you enroll like in January of 2018? So we basically, you know, enrolled together. We were in the same learning group. So we actually worked a lot together during the workshop. But why did you enroll at this at the time that you did? I, I enrolled at the time. I think I had higher cause full time. Uh, as a prospect for me where I was going back and forth. Do I, do I make the leap? You know, I had a, a nice job before and, and it was stable and, and a nice salary. And, and do I make the leap to pursue higher cause full time? And what do I need to think about before I make that leap? And so I, I went into the all MBA program with that question in mind. And it really was so helpful in me thinking through uh, what was needed and what I needed to do. And I'd say the second part that was amazing about the Alt MBA from a system standpoint, as we talked about, was that it really created this community where you would meet others who are on a, on a similar journey and everybody is, is approaching the community as how can I help? How can I serve? When you're around people who have that mentality, uh, it's contagious and you feel this sense of belonging that's really, really nice. And you're also allowed to talk about certain things in this community that you might not in other communities. You know, uh, we've had conversations in the past, Maria, where you've asked, you said, what are you afraid of with your work? What is the biggest fear in terms of creating something like this, you know, and I'd ask you the same question and to be able to have those types of real uh, uncomfortable conversations where you focus in on the work and the fear associated with creating the work that you want to do, especially as an entrepreneur, um, having a, having a space like that was so useful and powerful and, uh, and really changed, I think the trajectory of of my life uh, as an entrepreneur and also I think many others in the all MBA. Mm -hmm. And I could not have said that any better. Thank you. So David, what is the most challenging part for you right now as the founder of Higher Cause? I would say the, the most challenging part is that there is no roadmap. <laughs> <laughs> You, you know, I'm used to like the past 10 years, you know, you have a job description. There, there's something you know that's expected of you each day. Uh, you know what the goals are. They're laid out for you. Now, in this entrepreneurial path, there is no clear set of expectations. So with that, though, with that challenge, I think is also the most exciting part because I get to create the roadmap. and really create the, the goals, the structures, the systems in place, um, and, and choose, you know, how do you want to spend your time? Who do you want to work with? Who do you want to partner with? 
How can you help your team grow? You know, all of these questions that were not necessarily front and center before. So I think to answer the question, I think the biggest challenge is there is no roadmap, but that's also the, the most exciting part. Um, and especially when you see the progress or when, when I feel and experience the progress along the way, uh, that's invigorating because you just, you know that, well, you can't, you can't see a clear picture of exactly how it's going to turn out. You see the progress, you see the impact that you're having on others and, and students like Laura, who I brought up earlier in the episode, that is uh, reinforcing and, and helps me keep going even when there is no clear roadmap. So, David, what did you learn about yourself by following this path, which is, you know, quite different, the entrepreneurial path? That it's not fatal. That the worst that could happen is not so bad. And let me preface that by saying one of the things that I did before I made the leap mm -hmm. uh, to entrepreneurship is play out all the worst case scenarios. And, you know, Tim Ferriss actually has a great, uh, I don't know if, if, if people listening are familiar with him, but he has a great exercise. Instead of goal setting, he calls it fear setting. Mm -hmm. And I did that exercise where literally you list out the nightmares, the worst fears that could possibly happen. And um, you create three columns on a page and the left column is all the worst case scenarios, the nightmares, spell it out in as, as terrible detail as you possibly can. You know, um, people, you know, and that, that could be a variety of things. For me, it was what will people think on leaving this um, you know, this job, this stable job, what will my family think? What will friends think? What happens if it doesn't work out? What all of these questions, you put that all on that side. And then in the middle column, you have this idea uh, at the top, you label it prevent. So how can you prevent those things from happening? And then on the right-hand column, you, you put at the top repair. Basically, if that did happen, how could you get back on your feet? You know, how could you find a job? How could you, and spelling all that out, I walked away from that experience saying, wow, I, all of those fears that I thought were so terrible, I'll be okay. And that, when I said that to myself, my whole posture changed and I realized that this is something that I can do. And I just had a level of confidence I didn't have before that exercise because before it was just this gray cloud of how's this all going to happen? What's all the what if questions? And afterwards I had faced the fears on paper wrote them out and had a plan of how to prevent or repair them. And I just, I walked away saying, I'm ready for this. That's great, David. So you did that before you actually took the leap. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm now curious, is this a practice that you continue during your journey? Because sometimes, you know, fears come and go, sometimes they never go away completely. Is it something that is you practice ongoing? Absolutely. Regularly. I'd say probably every three or four months. And even if, let's say, something comes up between that time, you know, that is a real fear uh, that I'm afraid of, that maybe something that I thought was going to happen in our uh, business uh, didn't happen, and now I'm afraid because of that. Um, yeah, I would, I would go right through that process again, and I'd walk out on the other side saying, I'm going to be okay. That, for me, has been, especially on the entrepreneurial side uh, of the, the journey, as opposed to working at a nine-to-five. The fear setting has been that much more powerful than the goal setting. 
great and uh, that's really beautiful and uh, you explain it so beautifully thank you I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's beneficial for our listeners and i will also provide the references and everything so david what is the single thing you would like to leave your mark on within your lifetime the one of the core beliefs of higher cause is this notion that we want to make it easy to connect the business, the nonprofit, and the education sectors and connect them around projects, meaningful projects that help communities thrive. So when we, when we talk about the mark that I want to leave on this world with my work is about creating the systems, the platforms, the structures that connect these three worlds. Because if you think about it, you know, the, this notion of cause marketing, where companies work with nonprofits, you know, that's been prevalent for a while now. But there's this third part, which is this education sector piece that is not really connected to the other two yet. And I want to create the structure that makes it just so easy to connect the business, social, and the education sectors together so that... You have companies who are you know, growing their businesses, growing their brand, growing their impact. You have the social sector, you know, these charities that are gaining attention and awareness um, for their worthy causes. And you have students, which is the part I care so deeply about. And they're learning the skills and gaining the exposure early on to companies and, and nonprofits so that they can make better decisions about the work that they want to do and they're prepared with the skills to do that work. So that might be a long answer, but when I think about the mark that I want to leave on that, this world, it's creating that type of structure and uh, cycle to where these three parts are coming together and working on these projects where students are partnering with businesses to serve nonprofits, and it's almost this competition of sorts where you know, uh, schools feel like they're missing out because all the other schools are participating and companies mm -hmm. feel like they're missing out because all the companies that are participating and same thing with the nonprofits. And if I can create that ratchet of sorts, um, that is something that I will be so, 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 so proud of. And you should be proud and well, you should be proud already because I think your work is wonderful. And I love the part that you talked about again, seeing how, the three different pillars come together, but also that the way you are passionate about students, I'm also passionate. And I'm thinking that you are providing exactly the platforms and the systems to help them learn and then create impact with their work. That brings me, you know, I guess, full course to impact learning. Mm -hmm. But you have to bring these different three pillars together and find connections and create the, the systems and the platforms around that to make it happen. And that's what you are doing. And it's fascinating. Thank you, Maria. I appreciate that. So before I ask my last question, I want to offer you the opportunity to share any thought that you didn't have the chance to talk about. One other thought, you know, some of the narrative that goes into my head as I, as I create this work. I, this past summer, I actually, my, my father gave me the immigration papers of his grandfather. So my great-grandfather, his name was Harry, and my middle name is Harris. 
So I was named after him. And when I, when I looked at those immigration papers, it really changed uh, my narrative and gave me a perspective that stays with me every day and throughout my work. Because I found out that my great-grandfather had, when he was 23 years old, had left Belarus, Grodno, Belarus, and he left because at the time there was, there was persecution and he left to find a, a better life. And he went to London and then he went to Brooklyn. He packed up all his bags and he just left for, for a better life. And thank God he did because 40 years later, two thirds of you know, the Jewish population in Belarus uh, were murdered during World War II. I, I want to share this story because it speaks to me in three different ways. One is I think constantly about what it was like for my great grandfather to leave where he grew up and pack his bags and go off to another place and say, I'm going to make this work. You know, what was going through his head? And I think about that a lot as an entrepreneur and that he just went out and said, I have to make this work, you know, in this, in, in, in New York city where I haven't been before. Uh, and I also, it gives me an appreciation for the fact that his decision in his lifetime affected me multiple generations later that, you know, the odds are I may not be here today if he didn't make that decision when he was 23 years old to pack up his bags and leave. So it has been giving me this appreciation that what I do and what we do with our work can really affect generations down the line. And then lastly, I'd say I, I came away from that experience of looking at these immigration papers and, and kind of going down the rabbit hole and researching my ancestry. But I came away with a sense of gratitude and the sense of responsibility and this gratitude that I'm here, gratitude that I'm alive and this responsibility to make the most of my life, my work, you know, to be focusing on um, solving problems that really that matter so much and would make this world a better place. And for me, that's been the topic of careers, you know, and the topic of work and, and helping students, making sure that they're ready to succeed and, and live, you know, fulfilling lives. Um, and so I just wanted to say that because that's, that's a lot of what drives me. I know you were asking about my childhood and, and growing up, but this is another story that is currently fueling a lot of my work. So I wanted to share that. Thank you so much for sharing it. I did not know that before. And it made me think again how much you have an amazing ability to zoom out like zoom out uh, when it comes to yourself and reflect and, you know, realize where you come from and then the things that you, you bring along on your journey. And then you, you can zoom out also and look at different systems and you can look at education and you can look at social businesses and, uh, and uh, regular businesses, you know, like um, uh, for profit businesses and you can zoom out. It's not new to me because when we met and again, we, we worked together a lot during the old MBA in the learning group, I could see that you, you can focus, you are very intentional, but now I'm realizing like, really, I think your superpower, well, that's, that's my view. <laughs> I, I, I feel like you have an extraordinary ability to zoom out. Thank you, Maria. I, I appreciate that. I really do. Again, thank you for sharing this story. And I love everything you, you said about it. And I could not agree more. So, David, uh, where can our listeners learn from you? You can, listeners can go to uh, higherCause.com. Uh, and we are, as I had mentioned earlier, we are creating new programs. Um, so the best way to find out about those 
is if listeners want to uh, drop a note or shoot an email to team at myhirecause, M-Y-H-I-R-E-C-A-U-S-E.com, um, drop a note and we will uh, notify you about the upcoming programs coming out. And those, those programs will be different from our Higher Cause five-week fellowships. Um, these programs are going to focus more on empowering students to complete these projects in their own time, you know, that in a, with a more flexible schedule when they, you know, their, their schedule allows around their work. So we're excited about having a, an even bigger impact with that. And, th- and the second part I'd say is if you're interested in our work, if you're interested in our mission and um, you either work for a company or you work for a nonprofit or you uh, work for a school, um, as I said, we're working on creating the structures that bring those three pillars together. So please reach out. Uh, I'd love to have a conversation and we'd love to, uh, to share how we can you know, work together and bring these three pillars together to create communities that thrive and help students through the process. Thank you, David. Uh, and I, I can say one thing, and I'm glad we are friends, so I hope you will say yes, because I'm planning to invite you to come back and uh, share with us uh, as your work evolves and you're creating, again, different opportunities. Uh, I want to invite you to come back and talk about them and share also good case studies so we can continue to learn and offer resources, again, to students so they can uh, they can identify new ways to create meaningful work and also a good life. I would be more than happy to. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. That was such a uh, joyful discussion. Thank you for, uh, for being a guest and uh, for all that you shared with us. I wish you the best of luck. Thank you, Maria. I hope you found this episode useful. If you enjoy listening to Impact Learning, I would appreciate if you would share it with your friends who are interested in the future of learning and work. You could also leave us a review on iTunes or your preferred podcast platform. A new episode of Impact Learning will be published every Thursday. Thanks for listening. And remember, we can talk about learning, we can design it, or we can do both. This is Impact Learning. I'm your host, Maria Zenidou. Till next time.